loving kindness as a flood. When the Prince of Life, our ransom, shed for us His precious blood, who His love will not remember, who can cease to sing His praise, He can never be forgotten throughout heaven's eternal days. On the Mount of Crucifixion, Mountains open deep and wide Through the floodgates of God's mercy Flowed a vast and gracious tide Grace and love like mighty rivers Poured incessant from above And heaven's peace and perfect justice Kissed a guilty world in love Oh, amazing love Oh, amazing love My heart will sing Of all you've done forever short-handed tonight. Um, how many kids went up there? Five? <laughs> Five of our kids are missing. They're in North Dakota visiting friends, <laughs> and it has been quiet. You would not believe how quiet five kids are after you're used to ten. <laughs> so it's really seemed like no one's home. Um, anyway, but we wanted to sing this song. We did sing it a couple weeks ago, um, our first time to come back to the church. Uh, but this is a song that I wrote um, just a couple of months ago 
when all of this kind of craziness got started and I just uh, just really was contemplating all the different uncertainties that we are still facing right now and just thinking, you know what, there's one thing that doesn't change and that's God. He's faithful. His, his foundations are never shaken. So I just hope this, the words of this song will really encourage your heart. Fear is all around us Shadows chill the soul Troubles come to take our hearts away If we listen to what people say But a sweeter message comes to make us whole. Peace that passes what we comprehend. Love that carries us and has no end. No matter what foundations may be shaken, though mountains move and every kingdom Shaken, though mountains move and every key. 
All right, amen. Give me Jesus. What else is there? You can have all this world. Who wants this world like it is right now? Are you kidding me? It doesn't take a rocket scientist to make that choice. Thank you, family. I appreciate that very much. Let's go to John chapter 12. John chapter 12. Just going to read one verse tonight. Every time I get up here, I say I won't be long and end up being long. So I'm not saying that tonight. I will say that I hope not to be long, and I don't think I will be. Oops, I just said it. Don't hold me to it, okay? One thing I want to do is preach Jesus. I'm going to give you Jesus tonight. John chapter 12. Let me read verse number 32. And I, this is our Lord speaking, and I... If I be lifted up from the earth, will draw all men unto me. All men unto me. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for your word tonight. Now I'm asking you to speak through this very lowly vessel. I recognize what I am and my faults and failures, but I know that you are the great God and you have chosen to use men to preach your word, as astonishing as that is. And so I pray for your strength tonight, and your power to flow through me. And I pray that you'll speak to every heart in this room and every heart watching on the internet tonight. Do your will and accomplish your will in their lives. In Jesus' name, amen. On May 19th, the world lost a great man. The world lost a voice of logic and reason, and even more, the world lost a torchbearer of gospel truth that it so desperately needs. Of course, I'm speaking of the well-known Christian apologist, Ravi Zacharias. He was uh, 74 years old. For three hours this past Friday morning, our family watched the live stream of Ravi's memorial service, which was attended by a governor, two secretaries of state, a senator, and our vice president, Mike Pence, who gave an incredible eulogy behind an official White House podium that was emblazoned with the vice presidential seal. In other words, it was official. I was astonished. I said to Abigail, oh, I can just see the atheist being really upset about this. How about separation of church and state? Well, the truth is there's no problem there. You can put the presidential podium in a church and you can stand behind it and speak as the president or vice president or anyone else representing the state, and it's not a violation of the Constitution. It might be a violation of your twisted version of the Constitution, but it's not a violation of what our founders gave us. It was an incredible eulogy. You can actually read it at the official White House website, whitehouse.gov. It's there right now. I encourage you... I highly encourage you to go watch the memorial service. It's three hours long, but you will be very blessed. What I saw caused me to change my planned sermon for tonight. God does that sometimes, amen? Pastor was walking in this morning, and we're just passing. I mean, service was beginning, and he goes, 
different verse, and he gave Proverbs 29. Okay, whoo, you know, I, I, prepared, I, I always try to prepare and read the verses ahead of time so that I can pronounce the names uh, correctly or, you know, have the right inflection of the, of the context. But I said, okay, we'll change. And so sometimes God changes your message, and he did for me Friday morning. I had planned on preaching on something entirely different, maybe next month. Uh, we'll, we'll bring that. But uh, he changed my entire message while I was watching that memorial service. He wanted me, I believe, to raise the bar, if you will, to raise the bar. And Parker, you can take that picture down. Thank you very much for putting that up there. We want to raise the bar tonight. Surely, all biblically-based sermons are good and relevant, but not all are equal. This is going to be a very simple message. It will have one focus, one character, and one goal. Jesus Christ said in our text verse, John 12, 32, If I be lifted up from the earth, I'll draw all men unto me. Now, the next verse after that tells us it's in direct reference to his death on the cross. He's using the sad picture of the cross where the condemned is suspended between heaven and earth while he suffers his fate. He's talking about being lifted up on the cross. And if if that happens, he'll draw all men to him. This is an incredible and wonderful statement at the same time. Truly, he was the mediator between God and man. Amen? He was suspended in air. He was a mediator between both when he was hanging on that cross. But I believe that John 12, 32 can have a secondary application that is just as true. And it's this. If we lift up his name and his person to this lost world, men will be drawn to him. If we lift up his name and his person to this lost world, men will be drawn to him. After watching the memorial service for Ravi, I was left in awe at how much that good man wanted to lift up Christ, even to the very end of his life. To his last breath, he wanted nothing but people around him to see Jesus. It was very powerful. It was very convicting. It was very compelling. I was astonished once again at how great a man could be if he truly yields his life to Christ and then spends his days pointing others to him. What are you living for? And when a person does that, what's most revealing is that while the person may get accolades for his life service like Ravi did, The true light of glory shines far above his head, up to heaven itself, into the very face of the living Christ, the source of that light. The lengthy memorial was intended to be a means to honor a good man, and in the end, fully succeeded. Fully succeeded. However, it did much, much more. It lifted up Jesus Christ, and by doing that, it accomplished eternal good. For when we lift up Jesus Christ, good will always come from it. Always. There is no blemish in lifting up the name of Christ. There's a blemish on humanity, because in lifting him up, we show the separation between him and man. And how great he is and how sinful we are. So the blemish lies with us, but not with him. Oh, not with him. 
Only good comes when we lift up his name. So lift it up we will. Walk with me, if you will, through history tonight and let us see what the collective wisdom of the past thought of this man Jesus. Let's take a look at it. We shall hear from our respected or accomplished peers in the human race. These are they which a large collective of humanity has agreed deserve a voice for us all, regardless of whether or not we all agree with their own chosen course of life. Some you will know, and some you may not know. All the same, their knowledge and understanding of the human and divine has caused the world to permanently place them behind that podium of history that is designed to ceaselessly echo forth to future generations. Will you hear them tonight? Will you hear them? It's my hope and prayer that when you walk away from this simple sermon... You will be in awe of this man, Jesus Christ, like never before. I know that when I was watching Ravi's memorial service, by the end, I was in tears and I was in awe, not of Ravi, but of his Jesus. (laughs) The same Jesus I've known for over 30 years, but my heart was stirred to know him even more. If that can happen at my funeral, my life was successful. And I know that he was smiling from heaven. Because that was the case, for sure. Just as a side note, I will give the name of the author of each of these statements. Where the author is unknown, I will simply move on to the next quote. Listen to the past, friends. I'm trying here to prevent anyone saying the really foolish thing that people often say about him. I'm ready to accept Jesus as a good moral teacher, but I don't accept his claim to be God. That is the one thing we must not say. A man who was merely a man and said the sort of things Jesus said would not be a great moral teacher. He would either be a lunatic on the level with men, a man who says he is a poached egg, or else he would be the devil of hell. You must make your choice. Either this man was and is the Son of God, or else a madman or something worse. You can shut him up for a fool. You can spit at him and kill him as a demon. Or you can fall at his feet and call him Lord and God. But let us not come with any patronizing nonsense about his being a great human teacher. He has not left that open to us. He did not intend to. C.S. Lewis. If Socrates should enter the room, we would all rise and do him honor. But if Jesus Christ came into the room, we would all fall down and worship him. Alexander, Caesar, Charlemagne, and I myself have founded empires. But upon what do these creations of our genius depend? Upon force. Jesus alone founded his empire upon love. And to this very day, millions would die for him. Napoleon Bonaparte. 
Pride is the consequence of comparing ourselves with others. Humility is the result of comparing ourselves with Christ. Thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins, St. Matthew said. God is infinite wisdom and power and goodness and love. God is infinite wisdom and power and goodness and love. But if this idea is too vast for your human faculties, if your mind loses itself in its overwhelming infinitude, fix it on him who condescended to take our nature upon him, who was raised to heaven even in his glorified human body, in whom the fullness of the Godhead shines. Anne Bronte. Jesus Christ is the light to the eye, honey to the taste, music to the ear, and joy to the heart. I want to say that one again. Jesus Christ is light to the eye, honey to the taste, music to the ear, and joy to the heart. Amen? Never, never a man spake like this man said the Jewish leadership that was trying to condemn him. The Pharisees had sent these officers out. Go take him. Go catch him in his words. Go trip him up. Capture this guy. They came back empty-handed. What happened? Never a man spake like this man. Friends, a man has never spoken like this man since that day. Christ is not only the Savior... He's not only the Savior, but salvation itself. Matthew Henry. Jesus is the cornerstone of humanity. If he were taken away, it would shake the world to its foundations. That it would. Remove him and the world crumbles. Ernest Renan said that. The lion, listen to this, the lion got the victory through the tactics of a lamb. The lion of the tribe of Judah, he got the victory through the tactics of a lamb. It speaks of his conquering through his gentleness. Napoleon was right. Every empire in this world that has ever been conquered has been conquered by force. By blood. Warfare. And he was astonished that Jesus Christ could conquer a whole uh, people, but not just their generation when when he lived, but going forward forever through love. Through love. Astonishing. Jesus cannot be overpraised. Whatever you say about him is understatement. For the word is bigger than our words, and the coming years and centuries will unfold new meanings in him. And that they have. That was said by E. Stanley Jones. It was a miracle that a young man of 30 years without credentials as a scholar or priest had more impact on the world than all the teachers, 
scientists, emperors, generals, and admirals who ever lived all put together. Either he was who he said he was, or he was the greatest faker and charlatan who ever lived. But would a liar and faker suffer the death he did? Ronald Reagan. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. The writer to the Hebrews. The great, vital, and conservative element in our system is the belief of our people in the pure doctrines and the divine truths of the gospel of Jesus Christ. The U.S. Congress, 1854. Can you imagine our Congress saying that today? I have to read that again. This was from the U.S. Congress. The great, vital, and conservative element in our system is the belief of our people. Is this the belief of the people now in our country? In the pure doctrines and the divine truths of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Oh, how far we have fallen as a nation. Such an utterance now from the Congress would be completely condemned. Someone sent me a video this week, and it was some men in Congress taking an oath. And ever since our founding, when men took an oath, they would say, so help me God. And they didn't say it. They sat down. I believe there are four of them. And when they sat down, one of the senators looked at the, whoever the head was there. I don't know the, the, the names of these people, but this wasn't too long ago. But they, he, he says, wait a minute, they didn't say, so help me God. Can, can, they, can they rise again and repeat it and say, so help me God? And the man said, no, they don't have to do that. And he insisted. So much so that the man who was running things, Nadler, I think his name is, he said, they don't, there's no religious test to be in Congress, they don't have to say it. But the man said, this is something we've done since our foundation. What a difference between that and what I just read to you from our Congress in 1854, that our people believe in the pure doctrines of the gospel of Christ. Is any wonder why our streets are being burned down? Our cities are being pillaged, riots, looting, National Guard having to be sent out and risk their lives. It's no wonder we've walked away from God. All that I am, I owe to Jesus Christ. Revealed to me in his divine book, David Livingston said. As to Jesus of Nazareth, my opinion of whom ye you particularly desire... I think the system of morals and his religion as he left them to us, the best the world ever saw or is likely to see. Benjamin Franklin. So much for him being a poster child for atheism. You'll know these words. You've heard these. My Lord and my God. St. Thomas. 
my Lord and my God. What a greater statement can you say about Jesus than that? Ironically, you saw the picture of Ravi Zacharias. He was born in the same city in India where Thomas was reportedly martyred. Isn't that interesting? The practice of morality being necessary for the well-being of society, God has taken care to impress its precepts so indelibly on our hearts that they shall not be effaced by the subtleties of our brain. We all agree in the obligation of the moral principles of Jesus, and nowhere will they be found delivered in greater purity than in his discourses. The doctrines of Jesus are simple and tend to all the happiness of man. Thomas Jefferson said that. He's the other poster child for atheism. Mr. Atheist, when you watch this later, if you do, he's not a poster child for atheism. Newsflash, none of the founders were a poster child for atheism. They rejected atheism and wisely so. I like your Christ. I do not like your Christians. Your Christians are so unlike your Christ, Mahatma Gandhi said. Now that sounds like a very negative quote, and it is negative. He was saying, you Christians are nothing like your Savior. You're nothing like the one you claim to follow. So while he was putting down Christians, and that's a justified Judgment, in my opinion, in many ways. I'm sure he saw a lot of hypocrisy. At the same time, he was lifting Jesus really high. So we'll take it. Because that's what we're doing tonight. We're lifting Jesus really, really high. The gospel of Jesus Christ prescribes the wisest rules for just conduct in every situation of life. Happy are they who are enabled to obey them in all situations. Dr. Benjamin Rush. He was America's first physician. Dr. Benjamin Rush, founding father. Those who meet Jesus always experience either joy or its opposites, either foretastes of heaven or foretastes of hell. Not everyone who meets Jesus is pleased, and not everyone is happy. But everyone is shocked. Peter Kreeft. Indeed, he's right, isn't he? The broken Mary Magdalene washed Jesus' feet with the tears which fell from her eyes, but the rich young ruler walked away from him sorrowful. They both met him. One stayed and ministered, the other left. Sad. How can you be sad walking away from Jesus? You're going to be sad because you walked away from Jesus. I don't know what you're going through tonight, but he's the answer. Are you listening to these people? These aren't just random people off the street. These are some of the people that the world has lifted up high. And they're telling you about this great man, Jesus. They recognize his greatness far above themselves. All people will not believe the message of Jesus and his claims about himself, but all those who are confronted by him are changed. You meet Jesus, you will be changed. 
Why? Because their inward selves are revealed to them and then they must choose the next step. You're confronted with Christ and every one of us has been and will be and every human being on this planet will be at some point confronted with Christ. And now what do you do? Because he comes with truth. He doesn't pull any punches. He shows you just who you are. But he does it with tremendous tenderness and love. He doesn't do it with a condemning attitude and a judgmental spirit. He's a compassionate God. But you must choose the next step. So yes, everyone's changed when they come to Jesus. But some walk away and some embrace him. Without Jesus Christ, man must be in vice and misery. With Jesus Christ, man is free from vice and misery. In him is all our virtue and all our happiness. Apart from him, there is but vice, misery, darkness, death, and despair, Blaise Pascal said. Jesus Christ has in the clearest manner inculcated those duties which are productive of the highest moral felicity and consistent with all the innocent enjoyments to which we are impelled by the dictates of our nature. That was a mouthful. Zephaniah Swift, ever heard of him? He was a founding father, U.S. congressman, and he was the author of America's first legal text in 1795. That's why it was mouthful. (laughs) He was a smart man. But so was the man in our next statement. He was smart and he summed it up like this. For there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. That was St. Paul. Much simpler. Much simpler. If a man had his way... The plan of redemption would be an endless and bloody conflict. In reality, salvation was bought not by Jesus' fist, but by his nail-pierced hands. Not by muscle, but by love. Not by vengeance, but by forgiveness. Not by force, but by sacrifice. Jesus Christ, our Lord, surrendered in order that he might win He destroyed his enemies by dying for them and conquered death by allowing death to conquer him. A.W. Tozer. Leave it to Tozer to say something incredible. What an incredible statement. It's not about fighting. We want to fight. Look at our culture. Everyone wants to fight. They want to riot. They want to smash buildings and loot and hurt each other. You're not going to win that way. That's not the path to winning. Jesus conquered by surrendering to death, giving into it, dying for our sins. And through that, he rose again and conquered it all. Incredible. Is it any wonder that the disciples on the Sea of Galilee, after they witnessed him calm the sea, said, what manner of man is this? That even the wind and the sea obey him. What kind of man is this? They didn't know. Not fully. Not fully. 
You do well to wish to learn our arts and ways of life. And above all, the religion of Jesus Christ. These will make you a greater and happier people than you are. George Washington. He was a deist, don't you know? Deists don't say things like that. Okay, so you have the claim and you have his own writing. You take the first-hand source. Okay. <clears throat> for Christ also, also hath once suffered for sins, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God, St. Peter said. It is not just that we are immoral, but that a moral life alone cannot bridge what separates us from God. Let me read that statement again. It's not just that we are immoral, but that a moral life alone cannot bridge what separates us from God. Herein lies the cardinal difference between the moralizing religion and Jesus' offer to us. Jesus does not offer to make bad people good, but to make dead people alive. <laughs> Robbie Zacharias. With a statement like that and a belief like that, is it any wonder why Jesus Christ was lifted so high during his memorial service? I challenge you to watch it. You're not going to even agree with everything you see. I promise you. But you will come away from that. I won't, I won't steal the thunder. You will come away from it knowing that Jesus Christ was lifted up. I could go on and on and on and on. And when I got tired, someone, one of you could come up here and pick up where I left off and go on and on and on indefinitely about Jesus. There is no end of praise for the one who came from heaven to earth, who lived a perfect human life, who died to save us from our sin, who, though he was rich, yet for our sakes became poor, that we, through his poverty, might be rich. We could go on forever. Night and day, over and over and over. Surely we would echo St. John when he said as he closed out his gospel. And there are also many other things which Jesus did, the which if they should be written every one, I suppose that even the world itself could not contain the books that should be written. If everything that Jesus did could have been written down, the whole world couldn't have contained the books. We could go night after night after night after night with no end, lifting up the name of Christ. This is who we're talking about tonight. This is the one you say is your Savior. What a man. What a Savior. History affords us no other like that. No other like that. The future contains no such promise. Jesus was all in all. He was the one. I want to cap off this message with an exclamation point. It's a short three-minute video. Some of you have heard this before. It's worth hearing again. Listen, and then I'll close the service.
The Bible says he's a king of the Jews. He's a king of Israel. He's a king of righteousness. He's a king of the ages. He's a king of heaven. He's a king of glory. He's a king of kings. And he is the Lord of lords. Now that's my king. Do you know him? No means of measure can define his limitless love. Well, well, he's enduringly strong. He's entirely sincere. He's eternally steadfast. He's immortally graceful. He's impurely powerful. And he's impartially merciful. Do you know him? He's God's son. He's a sinner's savior. He's the centerpiece of civilization. He's unparalleled. He's unprecedented. Well, he's the loftiest idea in literature. He's the highest personality in philosophy. He's a fundamental doctrine of true theology. Do you know him? He supplies strength for the weak. He's available for the tempted and the tried. He sympathizes and he saves. He heals the sick. He cleans the lepers. He forgives sinners. He discharges debtors. He delivers the captives. He defends the feeble. He blesses the young. He serves the unfortunate. He regards the age. He rewards the diligent. And he beautifies the meek. Do you know him? My king is a key of knowledge. He's a wellspring of wisdom. He's a doorway of deliverance. He's a pathway of peace. He's a roadway of righteousness. He's a highway of holiness. He's a gateway of glory. Do you know him? His life is matchless. His goodness is limitless. His mercy is everlasting. His love never changes. His word is enough. His grace is sufficient. His reign is righteous. His yoke is easy and his burden is light. I wish I could describe him to you, but he, he's indescribable. He's indescribable. Yeah. He's incomprehensible. He's invincible. He's irresistible. You can't get him out of your mouth. You can't get him off of your hands. You can't outlive him, and you can't live without him. Well, Pharisees couldn't stand him. But they found out they couldn't stop him. Pilate couldn't find any fault in him. Herod couldn't kill him. Death couldn't handle him. And the grave couldn't hold him. That's my king. Yeah! He always has been. And he always will be. I'm talking about he had no predecessor. And he'll have no successor. You can't even beat him, and he's not going to resign. That's right. He's all that and so much more. So much more. What are you going through tonight? What are you going through out there on the internet world? Whatever you're struggling with, he is the answer. Whatever it is, each of us is unique. Each of us has our own struggle. 
Each of us has our own flaws, and hopefully you know what some of yours are. I think the older you get, the more glaring they become. He is the answer. Jesus Christ is the answer to whatever it is you're struggling with, you're going through, physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually. It's Jesus. It's Jesus. Will you stand with me for prayer tonight? We're going to have an invitation. I hope that you long to be nearer to Jesus Christ right now than you were when I first started this message. He is worthy of our adoration and worship. So let's take time to have an invitation. We Baptists love to have an invitation and people come down to the altar and pray. I personally don't care if you come down at all. But I do care if you do business with the Lord. You can do it right where you're standing. If you want to come down, the altar is open. Feel free to do that. But I'm not one of these that has to force you to come down. You can sit right there in your chair and just talk to the one who loved you and died for you. He is the answer to all of your problems, even if you can't see it. If you can't see it, he's still the answer. Examine all we've talked about tonight. There's nobody in history like him. Even if you don't understand it all and it's confusing, you can't make sense of it. Welcome to the world. Welcome to the party. We're all like that. We don't have all the answers. It's a life of faith. But in spite of that, the cross and the one that hung on it tower over the wrecks of time. He claimed to be God. He acted in a way that proved that he was your savior. He rose from the dead to concrete it as fact. And he's alive today to help you where you are. So during this invitation, and we will not tarry, if no one comes, and since we're finished, we'll, we'll wrap up and go. But I want to encourage you tonight to do business with the Lord Jesus Christ. He's alive and he cares for you. Go ahead. most amazing thing is that he has a plan for all of our lives. It would have been sufficient for him just to die for us. I mean, that alone is astonishing. That would have been good enough. But on top of that, this creator who made the whole universe, more stars than we can ever count, cares about you personally. Yeah, he cares about uh, you in spite of how you screwed things up in your life. Guess what? All of us have screwed our lives up in some point. And he still cares about you. And he wants to clean you up and put you on the right path. He wants to make your life meaningful and give you direction. He's all in all. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. More love to thee. What an appropriate song. Thank you, Abigail. Well, I hope you have a great week.
I hope you remember this. I hope you remember that Jesus is everything. Uh, For those on the internet, I hope you remember the same thing. I don't know what you're going to face this week. Our nation's in complete disarray and chaos right now. Try to stay safe. My children, pray for them. They're driving back tomorrow morning from Fargo, North Dakota. It would take them right through Minneapolis. I said, oh, no. Go around Minneapolis. Okay. And they're they're wise to do that. And so uh, pray for their travels. But try to stay safe. We know people in the war zone, if you will, and all over the uh, country. And um, I'd stay away from downtown if I were you. Uh, But in the end, trust the Lord. He's going to protect you and guide you and strengthen you this week. Remember that as you go out of here tonight. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for you. Thank you for sending Jesus Christ and all that he did and all that he means to us and for us. I pray that as we go through our week, whatever the trials may be, whatever the mental stresses are, whatever physical challenges we have, we might reach out to you and say, as Peter did on the water when he was walking and began to sink, Lord, help. Lord, help. And I pray that you'll reach your hand out just as you did with him because you're the same yesterday, today, and forever. And save us. Deliver us, Lord, according to your will. Now bless us all as we go our separate ways. Give us a great week and bring us back, Lord, on Wednesday night, ready to worship again. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. All right, you are dismissed.